This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. Get $50 off select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash fool and use the promo code fool at checkout. It's Monday, March 19th. Welcome to Market Foolery. We are back from Austin, Texas. I'm Chris Hill. Back in the cozy confines of the Full HQ fourth floor studio. Joining me in the studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser, and from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Mockerman. Did you miss me? Welcome back. <laughs> Still got some barbecue in your tooth. We, I mean, some of us are back from Texas. Not all of us had the good fortune to actually go to Texas, but. Let me just say for people who have been wondering this, because we've already gotten some email about this and tweets. About the music at the end of last week's episodes, and all of the credit for that goes to producer Dan Boyd, who called through just tons of great music from Austin artists to find some fun tunes at the end of last week's show. So, so props to producer Dan Boyd for that. The News Fairy continues <laughs> to do. It's job. Uh, we're going to get to the shipping wars. We are going to get to Universal Display and the uh, the truck that hit Universal dis- Display this morning. But we got to start though with Facebook. Speaking of being hit by a truck, in this case, uh, it's the headlines. Shares of Facebook down six percent this morning. Pick your headline, guys. I'm going with the one from U.S. News and World Report. Facebook data debacle spooks investors, and this, of course, refers to the New York Times report that an outfit called Cambridge Analytica got unauthorized access to data from more than 50 million people. And Jason, I'll just start with you. There are there are times when we come into this studio and we talk about a given news event for a given business. And we all come to the agreement that the headline is worse than the actual issue. Yes, it's a bad headline for company X, but the underlying issue is not that bad. This actually seems like the reverse. This seems like the headline is bad, and the underlying issue could potentially be even worse. If they possibly don't, if they don't handle it right, yeah, and it seems like they're not they're not getting off on the right foot here um, in handling it. We were talking over the weekend about uh, snaps issues where where just one celebrity comes out and can essentially ruin that business. I mean, Facebook is in a bit of a firmer footing, but I, I do think this is something they obviously need to be be laser focused on and in, in trying to figure out how to communicate how they plan to respond to this. I think the biggest challenge Facebook. Probably faces from this fallout going forward because that's really for our purposes here. That's what we care about most is is from the investor's perspective going forward. It's the scrutiny of any potential future acquisitions, mm-hmm. right? I mean, up to this point, Facebook's success has really been been based on the fact that they're able to bring the most used social platforms under their umbrella, whether it's Facebook proper or breaking out Messenger as a separate app or acquiring Instagram or acquiring WhatsApp, which I mean, let's be clear, we still don't know exactly how they're going to monetize WhatsApp at this point. So they've they've got a little burden there to bear there as well. But I think ultimately going forward, there's going to be so much scrutiny put on them in regard to any meaningful network acquisition. I honestly would be surprised if they ever were green lighted ever again to buy a meaningful network because of something like this right here. This really, I think, shows the dangers in a network like this getting too big. I mean, we're at a point now in time where it seems like people care more about the truth as it pertains to their beliefs 
versus the actual truth. And I guess that's really probably always existed. It's just we used to call it BS. Now we call it fake news. But any which way you cut it, I don't think that's new. I think that technology has just really exacerbated the situation. And, and that's where we are today. Well, you mentioned Snap, and for those who missed it on Motley Fool Money over the weekend, one of the things we talked about was uh, this ad that they let run on Snapchat uh, that Rihanna, rightfully so, in my and most people's opinions, uh, took offense to, uh, and she took to Instagram to blast it. I think the the, the through line for both Snap and Facebook is that uh, they both had. On their on their respective watches, they let something slip through. In the case of Snapchat, it's here's an, a completely distasteful ad that never should have run on the platform. In the case of Facebook, it is this outside group getting unauthorized access to tens to the data of tens of millions of people. Fifty million, they assume, and this is a deep rabbit hole if you really want to start Googling Cambridge Analytica and the connections that it has, but um, and the influence it's had around the world for elections, not just our own. Um, we're just the latest domino to fall, I think, with regards to Cambridge Analytica. But um, all these people did was take a survey for a few dollars, and then the the research firm that Cambridge Analytica got the data from then had access to all of those people's friends' data, even if you didn't give them permission, just through terms of agreement. Uh, your friend or your acquaintance taking that survey gave your own data up. And uh, I remember over a year ago learning about this and stripping my entire profile of everything other than the friends that I have on it because of this reason. Like, yeah. I, I don't get on anymore. Like, I didn't give anybody permission. Somebody else out there that decided to take a survey for a couple extra bucks. I mean, it, gave... this all comes back to people, right? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, this just comes back to people. And I mean, people who want to try to get in there to manipulate data will get in there and manipulate data. People who want to act unethically will act unethically. And it sounds like, based on the time period when this happened, it sounds like someone sort of bent the rules or just figured out a way around yeah. some some um, guidelines that perhaps weren't really uh, as firm on, on Facebook's side as, as they are today. Mm -hmm. uh, bottom line, though, is that users of Facebook are the ones inputting all of that information yeah. on a daily basis. So, I mean, you have a choice to not go in there and, and put your life out there on display for everyone to see. I mean, I, I think that's probably something that a lot of people are going to start to reconsider. I think that the world is big, and a lot of people want to use it. We are far ahead, I think, of a lot of people around the world who haven't quite gotten to that point mm -hmm. yet. So, there, there is sort of a novelty there still with social media in some parts of the world. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like people have to take responsibility for the stuff that they put out there and recognize that if you don't want to be a victim of this, you do have a choice. Yeah. It's just probably at the end of the day, people aren't going to quit using it. I, I think uh, unfortunate, but probably. But if they do, I mean, it's all that Facebook is built up upon is other people's data. Yeah. Like without that, this company is. It, it's a non-starter. It's our, I mean, and then you talk about some ad-based numbers, and it looks like Google and Alphabet or Alphabet and Facebook finally taking a step back in terms of market share for U.S. Uh, digital advertising, and maybe this is part of the reason why, especially with them dropping a lot of news outlets, um, trying to return more towards that friends and family feed that they that they were based upon when they first started. Last thing before we move on, Facebook's next earnings report is about six weeks away. Do you think Mark Zuckerberg? Will come out in the intervening six weeks 
to address this issue in a bigger way, because the word you use, Jason, is, is the one that I keep coming back to, and that is scrutiny. If you are Alphabet or Amazon, you're breathing a tiny sigh mm-hmm. of relief today, <laughs> because those two companies have been lumped in with Facebook for the last, I would say, year or so in terms of the question of whether or not these companies are monopolies, and to what extent do they invite scrutiny from Capitol Hill. As of this moment in time, Facebook is far and away the clear leader in that book. Yeah, I think he has to. I mean, he made it his New Year's resolution to make this company a little bit, uh, I guess, kinder to its citizens and to the world in terms of its influence that it can have. I mean, he's done that with learning Mandarin. He learned AI as one of his New Year's resolutions, and that's this year's New Year's resolution for him. So I think. To own up to that, he has to get out in front of this personally. I was thinking the exact same thing. I mean, had he not made that his New Year's resolution to quote unquote fix Facebook, Mm -hmm. then I mean, we could at least understand if he was going to try to remain quiet to to maybe understand the facts as as well as possible. But I mean, at this point, he has to come out and say Mm -hmm. something. Otherwise, he looks just like he either doesn't care or is being somewhat lazy or is somewhat scared. Perhaps he's a little combination of of all of those three. but, But either way, I mean, they will need to nip this in the bud, and and I mean, again, when you look at Facebook and you think about what that whole investment thesis is based on, it's based on people inputting their personal <laughs> information into a website, and and so I mean, with Facebook, it seems anecdotal, but I'm speaking with more and more people who are kind of migrating from Facebook to Instagram. I think Facebook is becoming a bit. Of a, of a lesser user experience, perhaps riddled with ads, and mm-hmm. so people are doing more on Instagram nowadays. Which is top. Um, five. It's in the top five for if you broke it out, it would be a larger digital ad space than than Snap. It would be larger than Microsoft. It would be larger than every other competitor other than Facebook and Alphabet. Right, and that matters uh, particularly. Is kind of we go back to what I was talking about at the beginning is to what is Facebook's next big acquisition because they're going to have to come up with something. Mm-hmm. I mean, Messenger is not going to monetize like Facebook or Instagram does. It doesn't. It's it's a messaging platform. Uh, I I I just I'm not sure they're going to ever get there with WhatsApp either because of the same premise. There, it's a it's a messaging platform. So they've got to kind of be thinking about what comes after Instagram. Not such an easy question to answer. This makes it far more difficult. Mm-hmm. Shares of Universal Display are falling on the news that Apple is reportedly producing their own display screens. In and I'm quoting here, a secret manufacturing facility near Apple's headquarters in California. They kept a secret. It's not a secret anymore, apparently. But Universal Display shares down about 14 percent this morning. This is. Wasn't this always the case with Universal Display? Wasn't this always the situation where we looked at this company and said, "This is great. They're doing great," and number one, or certainly in the top two or three in terms of risk factors, is if Apple decides to take their enormous pile of cash mm-hmm. and start making their own display screens. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the talk lately has been about them getting into larger screens, televisions, and, and, and monitors of that size. But uh, yeah, with their largest customer, apparently switching to in-house micro LED, which is supposedly darker blacks, brighter whites, and uh, slimmer and consumes less power. I mean, you're hitting on all fronts there. It seems like a no-brainer for them, if it is viable technology, to roll that out. And then um, LG announced that its new phone, the LG 7, going LCD instead of OLED, so uh, getting hit from a few different partners. Yeah, it does seem like this is another chapter in the book uh, on the pros and cons of working with Apple, right? I mean, <laughs> we we've got a, a, sort of a, right. a litany of examples out there, and whether it's Ambarella or Invincence or whatever provider, I mean, it's great, but you kind of get 
um, hit on the backside there, either on pricing um, or perhaps uh, Apple considering taking it in house, getting a little bit more vertical, and that's what it looks like it could be here. Uh, Universal Display makes their money by selling the materials for OLED. And licensing their IP, and they have a they have a decent uh, catalog of IP. They've been in, in business for a while, but the numbers here are kind of concerning because if you look at sort of the the trail here, sort of the chain of 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 how these how this money is made. SDC is a is is the company. They are a key customer of Universal, and SDC is essentially helping to assemble all of this stuff for these um, phone companies. And and so, if you look at SDC as being a key customer of Universal, Universal sixty two percent of their consolidated revenue in two thousand and seventeen came from SDC. Now, SDC is a very big supplier to Apple's move to OLED screens. So you can kind of put two and two together there and realize that Universal is very dependent on. SDC, and if SDC is doing a lot of business with Apple, now we understand why the stock is behaving the way it is. Because if Apple's taking this work in house, and this doesn't mean they are, this means that they're working on that possibility. Then all of a sudden, you realize that Universal has the potential to lose a big chunk of of revenue, and and trailing twelve month revenue is three hundred thirty five million. It's not like it's some big massive company. I mean, the stock is trading at better than fifty times two thousand and eighteen estimates. I mean, on the flip side, it's got a healthy balance sheet. It's profitable. But again, we've seen this play out before, so they need to have something to go to if that Apple relationship deteriorates. Let's say you own shares. Let's. Uh, do either of you own shares of this company? Of Universal. Of Universal. I, I don't. Contemplated it, but never pulled the trigger. All right. Let's say you've owned shares of this company for a couple of years. You've mm-hmm. made a nice gain. Yes, on you it. have. <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> yeah. And but it's as you said, Jason. We've seen this movie before. Yeah. And here's how the movie goes. The report comes out. It's not confirmed from Apple, but the report comes out, and the stock, uh, you know, of Invencent, whoever else. Oh, in the case of Invencent, it's like, well, they might not be in the next iteration of the iPhone. So the the initial report comes out, stock falls somewhere between five and fifteen percent, and then somewhere down the line, it gets confirmed, and then it really takes a hit. If you've owned this stock and you've made a nice gain, and you're seeing it down fourteen percent, do you pull the plug right now, or do you say, "Mm, I'm going to wait and see, knowing that? At some point later in 2018, Apple could absolutely come out and say, "Ah, we're cutting the ribbon mm-hmm. on our now no longer secret manufacturing facility," and then Universal Display stock really takes a hit. Yeah, I mean, if this report's wrong, that's a huge blunder. So I'm more likely to believe the report that this is actually underway and talking about it being underway since like 2016, maybe even earlier. Um, I'm willing to cut some of the some of the shares that I would potentially have in that company for sure um, because it's hard to believe that this isn't true. Yeah, the nature of, of Universal Display as a stock, it's not a stock that I would look at as sort of a a buy it and plan on holding it for a long mm-hmm. period of time. I think it's one you got to kind of keep tabs on. I mean, like you said, we've seen this play out before. Apple's one where you can kind of buy and sort of set it and forget it. Universal Display, not so. Right. Um, if I did own shares and was sitting on a big win there, I'd be looking at this and taking it very seriously based on the history of examples uh, out there. I'm not telling anybody what to do, but if it were me, I more than likely would be leaning towards cutting bait and moving on. Uh, before we get to the shipping wars, I just wanted to mention uh, something that came up in the news last week, and it is the, the bankruptcy of iHeartMedia, which is the largest broadcast radio company in America. And This comes on the heels of about three months ago, when Cumulus Media, which is the second largest 
broadcast radio company in America declared bankruptcy. And we've talked before about trade media and how valuable that can be for us as investors. And uh, uh, one of my personal favorites to check out is QSR, which is the the trade publication of the the quick service restaurant industry. Sure. Mm-hmm. You were just quoted in something there, right? I was. Yeah, that was a uh, an interview regarding Chipotle's new CEO. Nice. Yeah, um, I, it's great information. But I was reminded, uh, looking at the trade coverage of these two stories in the radio industry, uh, that. Trade media can be really helpful for sort of deeper dives and more granular information. What you shouldn't look to necessarily is critical commentary out of trade media, because again, it's the two largest companies in a given industry. You would think that there might be some critical commentary, and I couldn't help but notice that in reading stories on like Radio Inc. and Inside Radio, again. iHeartMedia, largest company in the industry, went bankrupt, and the following words did not appear in any of the coverage. Pandora, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or podcasting. None of those words showed up in the coverage. You don't see very often in any of those uh, forums the the sort of just yep we suck. I mean these are big problems. <laughs> hey, maybe the landscape is completely changing. <laughs> we're being assailed on we all fronts. We don't know what we're doing, or we were asleep at the wheel, and this company just passed us right by. And I mean, in regard to iHeart and, and Cumulus, I mean, one could argue that they were asleep at the wheel, and the world completely passed them right by. Yeah. Um, between what SiriusXM has done and really the podcast movement and what we've seen there, it happened with video. It's an on-demand world now, and I think more and more people are recognizing that. And you're seeing companies like Apple, Amazon, Alphabet building sort of those those offerings that are complementary to their business models. Being a pure play in a business like this is very difficult. Before we go any further, I want to say thanks to Casper. I don't know about the last time you bought. A mattress, but if it's been a while, you should definitely check out Casper. Their mattresses are designed by humans for humans. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep service with just the right sink and just the right bounce. And they make buying a mattress easy, which for me, that's that's the best part. You just order it online, <laughs> it's delivered right to your door in a compact box. Free shipping and free returns in the US and Canada, and it comes with a risk free 100 day trial. And considering that we spend one third of our lives on a mattress, except when your kids are little, then you're spending like a quarter of your time <laughs> on a mattress. Uh, it's so important to truly sleep on a mattress before committing, and that's why Casper gives you 100 nights to try it out. Uh, our coworker, Elizabeth, uh, not Elizabeth, Emily. She's got a couple of those Casper mattresses. She loves them, absolutely loves them. Um, again, it's available in the U.S., Canada, and now the U.K. Get fifty dollars towards select mattresses by visiting Casper.com/fool and using the promo code Fool at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. That's fifty dollars towards select mattresses by visiting Casper.com/fool and use the promo code Fool at checkout. Uh, our man. Behind the glass, Dan Boyd is back from Austin. Also on the other side of the glass today, special guest visiting right. us: Patrick Dunn, Jane Connors, and longtime listener Thank you Bailey for Wood. Thanks in. for coming to hang out with us. I think we just messed up Dan's levels, but <laughs> you know what? He's a professional. He's a professional. He's going to make it work. Uh, interesting things going on in the world of shipping, and Taylor, I'll let you decide which one is more interesting. We've got DHL, which is expanding its delivery in the United States, kind of a shot across the bow of FedEx and UPS. Uh, UPS also came out and announced that they are going electric in London. Yeah. Of the two, which is the more interesting to you? Uh, 
I think the electric vehicles maybe you know long time coming and it's it's the wave of the future. Um, maybe DHL because it kind of announced on the same day. Small footprint though. They're only going to be doing the the same day, next day, um, you know, last mile kind of stuff. But uh, interesting to note that their headquarters in the U.S. is in Cincinnati and Amazon is planning a new uh, air facility there in Cincinnati as well. So uh, maybe maybe some potential uh, you know backdoor dealings there. Who knows if Amazon gets more. In, in the loop with DHL because we heard rumors for years that they're trying to get into the the delivery game themselves. So uh, maybe the partnership somewhere down the line. But uh, I don't view it as too big of a threat to UPS or FedEx, um, just given the potential growth of e-commerce and those those sh- uh, short distance deliveries. Yeah, it's a. I think it's a smart move by DHL, mainly because of what you said in terms of uh, it, it's a smaller bet. Um, but I think it's informed by. The last time DHL really tried to make a go mm-hmm. of it in a big way in the U.S. and that did not work out. No, at all. it did not. They're talking about maybe delivering like 500 million packages on an annual basis, and you're t- you're looking at UPS and FedEx doing that and more in a busy holiday season. So um, certainly a, a smaller attempt here than what they had previously failed at. I think if you're Amazon and obviously you've got that shipping facility in Cincinnati, you're planning. That's yeah, that's a that's a nice time. But it also, Jason, it seems like this is. A small win for any big retailer that is doing significant amounts of shipping. It gives you just ever so slightly more mm-hmm. bargaining power with FedEx and UPS. Oh, sure. And I mean, we were talking um, over over the weekend on Motley Fool Money about the the bankruptcy of Toys R Us. I think the impending <laughs> doom that that uh, that Sears is, is seems to be uh, subject to, and what is going to happen with all of that real estate. And, and I mean, it's it's not. It's it's not really so easy to tell. I mean, that is a lot of real real estate. I mean, it, it, real estate is is kind of a priced on on the demand, uh, so to speak. And and you wonder if Amazon or Target or Walmart or some combination thereof wouldn't be looking at some of those areas as ways to sort of shorten that distance up mm-hmm. between point A and point B, which certainly. Uh, it benefits these these delivery companies. I mean, these shipping companies, whether it's UPS, FedEx, or DHL, whoever else gets in there. I mean, shortening up that distance from point A to point B is is a key uh, variable in the equation uh, for bringing those prices down and making these businesses as profitable as they can be. So it's going to be a very interesting few years watching this all shake out. Yeah, and as for the electrification in London, it's just new technology is allowing them to. Hook up multiple trucks to the same uh, outlet, and then the computer model adjusts which truck is receiving how much energy. So it's a little bit of a smarter grid, so that they can—they're not relying on one power source for one truck, because uh, it's kind of limiting in their ability to scale here. Um, so the infrastructure there is just getting smarter, and they're—they're uh, they're looking to go from 50, around 50 all-electric trucks to over 170 in just the next couple of years. And already, I think new cabs in in central London. Have to be electric, so that whole city is kind of moving in that direction. All right, Taylor Muckerman, Jason Moser, thanks for being here, guys. Cheers. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>